Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicks with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And, and Matt, a lo- as you put it, a lot has happened in the 10 days since we last spoke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one one thing I know when we last talked, uh, the you know, the basketball team was, was losing to VCU in the first game of the Brooklyn tournament. And they not only came back and won that, but then put a, a beat down on a, a top 25 team in Michigan to win the the little four team tournament, um, uh, you know, so that was, that was big. And then, uh, you know, football's played two games, unfortunately two losses, including the Arizona one. Um, but now the, you know, the big news and the news, you know, we've probably spent more time talking about than the season is who's going to be the new coach. We got it. And, you know, if, if, uh, if you listen back at what, September 20 something, uh, you, you know, you knew it. You knew it then. We we all knew who it was going to be, and you had it. I look. The fact that Kenny Dillingham got named the new head coach for ASU, and that Sean Aguano was retained on the staff, to me, is a complete victory of coaching. Yeah, players. yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy with it. I'm very happy with it. I, I you know, I mean, we. We, we talked about it ad nauseum. I beat it into the ground. I know that, that I did not think Sean Aguano should get the job full time. Um, I'm glad that that wasn't the direction we ended up going, but I think we both liked him and, and, you know, liked his, his passion for ASU and am glad that he can still be part of that. I think uh, it sounds like, you know, Dillingham is really part of that. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's, uh, I, there were some things I didn't, I mean, I knew he was from Phoenix. I did not know he actually went to ASU. Yeah. Um, went you know, to Chaparral, graduated from yeah. ASU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, been here, he was a, wasn't he a GA on Graham staff? Yeah. Working for, for Norvell. Yeah. And then followed boy, Norvell I mean, to Memphis. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then went to Auburn, I believe briefly, and then ended up back with Norvell at Florida state last year, mm-hmm. um, as the offensive coordinator. So yeah, got, Got connections to ASU, you know, personally and coaching staff wise. Um, you know, does it does it make you feel a little old that that like like when we were in college, he was in high school, and now he's the coach of our team? Like that that's that's a little bit of a of an oddity. Uh, I'm not upset about it, but it's just it's it's a it's kind of a wow. Yeah, but I. I... I don't know how much of the introductory press conference you watched or went back and saw. I went back and watched his opening statement and and some of the Q and A. Um, the passion was there, and I I say this knowing that I could be made to look quite the fool, but it seemed hard to fake, you know, the tears and the emotion that he showed about being able to come back here and about wanting this job in a way, you know, there was no, don't mention the devils. I'm a Christian man or whatever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this was exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it absolutely seems like somebody who wants to be here, who, who has passion for ASU and, you know, uh, we texted about it. I'm not saying anything. I didn't already say to you in text, like I, I am not naive to think, I know he says it's his dream job. I'm not naive to think that, that, you know, if he does really well, that a, a bigger and better place might come calling in three to four to five years. And uh, okay. You know, like we've discussed that I'm at peace with that if that happens, but it seems like he wants to be here. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that's fantastic. And uh, you know, look, the, the bottom line is he is exactly the type of hire that, I, I, 
I mean, I can attest going back 15 years, 16 years when Dirk got fired and through, you know, three other coaching searches now since that I've wanted ASU to make mm-hmm. and we finally are making it. And, and so will it, is he the right guy? I don't know. Time will tell, um, it, you know, no way to know that until we see, you know, games and seasons and recruiting and how he handles adversity and, you know, transfer portal and all this stuff. But I just think it's a, it's an inspired hire and, you know, the hires that we've gone through, Dennis, Todd Graham, Herm Edwards, I, I feel the best about this one of, of the four. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I feel like, and, and maybe this is, there is some value in acting quickly, like the day the season ended and, and having mm-hmm. a new coach in place before that. There wasn't, you know, this was the guy who I identified. There wasn't somebody else who they floated that I mentally talked myself into, like a Kevin Sumlin. Right, right, know, right. That's true. Yeah, where I true. then was like, ah, this is not a good outcome. This yeah. was a quieter process publicly, <laughs> I thought. Now, now maybe, I'll say this, maybe some of that is, like, you know, the coverage of ASU, I don't think, you know, Haller doesn't exclusively cover ASU for the athletic anymore. So I don't really have a go-to reporter that I trust to, to give me ASU news. And so maybe that's me. Uh, maybe if you, you know, subscribe to the Sun Devil Source, Devil's Digest, you would you would co- completely disagree with the whole it was quieter. But, I mean, I didn't hear a lot of names floated, honestly. It, it seemed like, you know, uh, like for a while the momentum was behind Iguano. Uh, that disappeared with kind of a, you know, poor November. Um, and then it just became like, well, they're zeroing in on this guy. Probably that seemed to be the name a few days ago. And, and that's the guy. And so, Hey, I, you know, I don't know who else was considered. I don't know that we'll ever know, but I'm, I'm happy with who we got. It seems like. Yeah. To, to me, this is a great outcome considering the state of the program and what we need. You know, they, you know, you always talk when these things happen of, well, we had a defensive guy. Now we need an offensive guy. We had a a player friendly guy. Now we need a disciplinarian. Well, we had a guy who was checked out and didn't seem to care. And now we have a guy who, look, this was, uh, Haller put this in his, uh, in his follow-up article on on the hire, but it's like someone was going to give him the job at some point might as well be us and be ahead of the curve. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there is some risk involved in hiring, you know, a young coach, but, but there's risk involved in hiring an old coach. There's risk involved in hiring a, a a 48 year old right in the heart of his career coach. Like, you know, I mean, uh, there's always risk. You don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've said this to you, I think before, you know, the, the Scott Frost hire at Nebraska was enough of a lesson to me to never say anyone is guaranteed to be successful because, man, that that hire checked every single box beforehand and that, you know, this is going to work great. And it not only didn't work great, it was a spectacular failure. So so, you know, you never know. But I, I just I like the direction we went, you know, had we had we gotten, you know, another you know, fill in the blank, young offensive coordinator type Garrett Riley, Lincoln's brother from TCU or, or Zach Kitley from Texas tech or somebody, I would have been happy with those two, but this guy gets the also built in advantage of being a Phoenix guy. He knows the market. He knows the, 
to be honest, he knows the limitations and and the the challenges. I guess maybe is the better word that you're going to face, in, you know, in Tempe and in Phoenix. So it's not going to come as a surprise to him. You know, so many times we hear that with these coaches, and it's like, well, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Like, well, he knows. He knows what this market is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I do think a large part of this is also like. He was the Chaparral offensive coordinator in 2015. Which is crazy, isn't it? I mean, you again, know? not upset about it, but it's just wild to think. Yeah. But know. so so he there aren't like that many coaches around the city, at least, who he doesn't know, hasn't right. been right. opposed to, been in meetings with. You know, and retaining Iguano, that's who the high school coaches said they wanted. Iguano made the inroads right. that you know, as a fan, you wanted him to make, okay, it happened. Like this, if we're going to start, if there's a chance that we're going to get, you know, eight of the top 20 guys in the state, let's say the top six leave. So we're, you know, eight of the next 14, which I think is the realistic target for Mm -hmm. a school like us. Mm -hmm. We got the guys in place to do it. You know, seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we you know, that was something that we both um, even when things seem to be rolling along pretty well with the Edwards, you know, Antonio Pierce group. We both talked about how the in-state recruiting just seemed to be lacking. And it's like we didn't you know, care at all. Exactly. And, and you know, uh, 15 years ago or so when we were in college that maybe you could get by with because. I think Arizona high school football was not as good back then and you weren't getting as many good players to come out of the state, but it's better. You know, again, it's not Texas, it's not California, it's not Florida, but it's, it's certainly better. And, and I think getting a good base of talent here can only help. Um, you know, yeah, I just, I like what I see from the guy. I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm impressed with him so far. Granted, you know, we haven't had a, you know, a game where we're down by four and he, you know, is he managing the clock well? Is he calling plays well? You know, there'll be ups and downs. He's a first time head coach. We should we should expect that he's not going to be perfect out of the gate. Um, but I just, you know, I I love what I hear. I love the enthusiasm he seems to have for ASU and, you know, definitely not shying away from talking about we're going to get in the transfer portal and we need to make moves in the in the NIL market. And those are two things that absolutely or must i mean just absolutely have to be done to to turn this thing around relatively quickly well and you got a couple things you got the booster donation the the million dollar donation announced during the press conference which is big and you also got in the press conference a preview of what i think is the compelling argument for recruiting which is people are going to tell you a lot of things the, the student athlete is now empowered to leave if what they were told is not true. true. So he's like, so I'm going to tell them the truth. Yeah, There is yeah. no weather. Why would you as a quarterback or a skill position player want to go anywhere else where it's snowing or rainy or anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, yeah. I, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's. It's not an easy task, but I, I will say I believe this is an easier task than if we were in this position five years ago. You know, the, the rules have changed. And I mean, you, you don't have to look any further than in our own conference. Look at Washington. Had a really horrible year last year. You know, controversy with their coach. Had to fire him two years in. Things looked really ugly. 
and they made a good hire and they got some transfers, including a, a really, really good transfer quarterback. And they're 10 and two and very possibly headed to the Rose bowl this year. Now I'm not saying it's going to be that quick here. I don't, that's not my expectation, but it shows you, you can, you can do it relatively quickly if you get the right guys there. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and, and, you know, and he's going to work. It's not like it used to be. Yeah. You know, he's going to work. That's the other thing. Like, yeah. It, because even if this is the fear of the hypothetical voice of ASU fandom of he's going to use us as a stepping stone, which please <laughs> improve so sure. that we are a stepping stone. Yep. Um, yep. No, I agree. But even if that's true, yeah, well, he's going to have to, you know, bust it to get to a position where we're good enough to be a stepping right. stone. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't see him, me and never know. But I don't see it being like, oh, well, he's here for one year and we go seven and five and, you know, uh, SEC team comes calling. I don't see that. Or the UCLA job. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes some, you know, but yeah, I I mean, look, we've said it. I've I've said it going back to when we were students at ASU. I've said it hundreds of times since. If somebody's here for four years and they get us to, uh, you know, let's say a conference title, and a couple other years where we win, you know, nine plus games. And, you know, now with what a conference title would mean, which would mean a trip to the playoff. Uh, and then that guy goes to, you know, Arkansas or probably Arkansas is not it, you know, goes to Auburn when Auburn fires Hugh Freeze in three years for cheating. Like, okay, fantastic. You know, because one, we had the success we had. Two, we're well positioned to hire someone else at that point from a better place than we are now. Maybe somebody that was on his staff, maybe, you know, promote like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, other places have done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and really, I think I was watching UCLA on Friday. UCLA was playing Cal and they were talking about Chip Kelly said, you know, you almost look at college football now as a one year at a time. You know, your roster changes so much. It's one, and, and that's a great point. Like one year at a time, man, let's not worry about where we're going to be in four years. We'll worry about that in four years. Let's let's put together the best roster for 2023 we can and make a make a run. We have eight home games. Uh, let's let's make some noise next year. Why wait? Yeah. Well, and there's a thing you you mentioned that we've talked about about nine and three seasons, nine plus wins. E- Eric Allen was mm-hmm. quoted in the Haller Saw that. article as well, talking about there were 40 alumni or so on the text chain. Um, who their expectation is, look, we should be a team that wins nine games a year, most years. And then every so often we jump up and we're a top 10 team. Yeah. And you and I have talked about it like that. That should be, I mean, it's what Ray said we were going to try to do. Yes. I mean, I look at a program we played this year and that we're scheduled to play again next year is Oklahoma state. Mm -hmm. That should be kind of a comparable program. They had a, they slid back this year. They went seven and five, but last year they went 11 and one and they were a yard away from winning the big 12 title and going to the playoff. And, and they've had that, you know, like you look back over the last, you know, 10, 15 years of Oklahoma state, they've had those, like when Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman were there, they got to the Fiesta bowl. They were, you know, one crazy Thursday night loss away from making the championship game. A few years later with Mason Rudolph, they had a couple really good teams. Like, it's been that. And, and no, they're not winning 11 games every year like Alabama or, 
you know, Clemson or Ohio State. And, and that's probably not realistic there. And it's probably not realistic here. But you can do it every three or four years and not bottom out either. Not have a four and eight year mixed in either. Mm-hmm. That should be the, you know, I think that's a good comp, honestly. A program like that, um, that, you know, I mean, look, I'm not saying I, you know, I'm sure their fans aren't happy with seven and five this year. It was kind of a disappointment, but it's easier to get over a seven and five season when the year before you went 11 and one and win the conference title game. Like, well, okay. You know, it hasn't been awful. Uh, now if they have three, seven and fives in a row, probably they'll be upset, but they usually don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I, uh, again, I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be a fun, you know, couple of months here. I mean, just in general, college football, like as soon as these conference title games are over and the, and the portal opens officially for that 45 day window, you know, and then you add in, you know, draft declarations and seniors who have to decide whether they're coming back or staying, uh, you know, or going, I mean, um, you know, coaching movement, staff hirings, like it's, it's going to be like, there's going to be something happening every day. It feels like, and, and I think we're going to be square in the middle of it, which, which I'm glad we need to be. You know, everything, I mean, we probably should talk a little bit about the last couple games. Like, everything from this season can go away as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Every single thing. Like, we just just flush it completely down the drain and totally rebuild from square one, and I'd be okay with it. Well, and you're going to have to, right? Because Valaday, Soeli, yeah. Robertson, possibly the other Soeli. Yeah. I mean, some of the best things about this year, and there weren't many good things about this year, Valaday was certainly a high point. You know, and and too bad in some ways that he didn't get a better team to, you know, highlight what he did because he had a really solid year. He was good. Yeah. Game in, game out. He was very good. Um, Badger was good, but Badger also appears to be a bit of a head case. I mean, he gets two unsportsmanlikes against Arizona and gets ejected at the end. It's like, uh, you know, like I, I would be happy to have him back, but. If he wants to go, I wouldn't beg him to come back. Like we, you know, there's probably a dozen Elijah Badgers in the portal that we could go get one or two. Um, you know, and and quarterback, you know, Borgay was commendable, and I hope he stays around as a depth option. But I don't want him as the starter. He's a nice player, but he got exposed against Washington State and Oregon State when he faced good defenses. He looked like a former walk-on. Um, if he wants, you know, you want to keep him around as the number two. Fantastic, he can be that. It can be our Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we should go get a legitimate starter somewhere. Yeah, and I think Borgay, to me, gets the Danny Sullivan, like, hey, you got put into this kind of situation. Right. That's all, you know, you, you uh, yeoman's effort in a bad situation, yeah. maximized your ability, but you're not... a power five no you're not i mean in some ways and we talked about this borgay and iguano were kind of like mirror images of each other they were the afterthought guy who wasn't ever really you know expected to have this opportunity they did the best with what they could but i don't think either one of them are guys you want to like you know say okay you're the guy and we didn't make that decision with the head coach we know that now and I certainly don't expect we'll make that decision with the quarterback. Now, if you, you know, you bring in somebody and you say, hey, it's an open competition. Sure. OK, that's fine. But if you can go get and I mean, I'm just throwing possible names out there. We don't know who's going to be available. But if let's say Tyler Van Dyke from Miami enters the portal, 
which I think is very possible. Uh, Hudson Card from Texas, we saw him, very possible he leaves. Uh, you know, somebody like that, uh, you know, guy with one or two years, you got to do it. You absolutely got to upgrade. Yeah. And that's just a couple. I mean, there's there's probably going to be a dozen or more. You know, look at this year. God, how many, you know, how many teams have transfers, you know, in their first year that were pretty, I mean, God, it happened all over the conference. Caleb Williams, uh, you know, Penix, Knicks, Delora at Arizona. Uh, I mean, you know, like that's that's a third of the conference right there. Cameron Ward, Washington State. I mean, you know, like and, and they were all to varying degrees pretty darn good. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting when you think about what what could the Devils look like next year. I, I think you'll you'll have an easier time figuring out, you know, the limited number of guys who will put, probably keep their role. Yeah, I would agree. I, I was going to say I think if you say there's you know between twenty two starters and and key guys that maybe don't start, let's say you know. 35 to 40 of your like most important players. I mean, I would guess somewhere in the area of 20 to 30 should be new phases, yeah. you know, transfers, high school recruits, maybe guys that were on this roster, but didn't play much. Tevin white, <laughs> for example, you know, running back guys you know, who were on the like Oregon that. roster who didn't play much. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, you know, interesting name and he hasn't been all that successful when he's had a chance to play, but, Ty Thompson was their backup quarterback. He's from the Phoenix area. Um, it would likely he's the favorite to get the job next year. I'm sure, you know, Knicks could come back, but seems like he's trending toward just, you know, taking off after his, you know, one year at Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, who knows? Now, he didn't commit to Lanning slash Dillingham. He committed there when it was Cristobal. So I don't know if he really meshes with Dillingham. But, you know, he's from here. He's been a year in that system. Like, That'd be an intriguing name if he wants to come. Yeah. Yeah, it. I agree. It, it's interesting to me, you know, I think, like, Carter Brown's job is probably safe. Probably, yeah. You yeah. Know, unless he leaves to go else. somewhere else. But I feel like he's, like, it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the defense this year, first of all, was really bad. Like, probably underrated in terms of just how bad it was. It maybe wasn't... 2016 second half of the season bad but it was mm -hmm. pretty close um and so i don't you know i don't see anybody on that defense that it's like well we need to make sure that guy's back in the fold you know uh, and some of them are gone for sure we know they're out of eligibility um a total rebuild on that side of the ball interested to see who his coordinator hire is i don't think that was addressed today was it at all who is you know no. defensive coordinator no really uh, you know, the, it seems like iguano was the only confirmed yeah yeah you know we'll, we'll find that out in in short order i'm sure um but you know what direction they go with that and yeah i mean you know quarterback is going to be the sexy one maybe running back you know you get somebody like oh those are going to be but you know you really got to get in that transfer portal for defensive guys Maybe offensive linemen. I mean, you know, who do you have coming back on the line? Ben Scott, right? Yeah. He should be back, I suppose. Again, provided these guys, they could leave. Mm -hmm. um, Henderson's gone. You know, Henderson's mm -hmm. done. He accepted his, you know, Shrine Bowl invitation, so he's moving on. Um, and he was hurt half the year anyway. Uh, you had a couple transfers that I think maybe only had one year. So yeah. uh, they're probably, you know, so like it's, it's a total rebuild. 
But again, I say it again, you can do that now. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but it, you know, in the old days, this would be like, wow, this is a real four year rebuild because our recruiting has gotten so bad and we're losing so many people. And Oh my God, you know, it's going to take a long time. It doesn't have to take as long as it used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, there's a grace period that this year yes. might not, yes, might not yeah. be good, but that I think it's one year now. That's the grace. Yeah. Period. I was going to say it's shorter than it used to be. I mean, if you still look really bad in year two, the heat's on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, I don't, I mean, first of all, it's way too early to put any sort of projection on next year. Cause we don't know at all what the roster's going to look like. But probably in some ways, I don't know that there's any sort of like, okay, you need to get to this many wins next year. You know, let's just see how it goes. But I I think the one thing you want to see is, you know, I mean, quite simply, you just want to see improvement. You want to see improvement from how you ended this year to how you start next year and and then how you ended next year from how you started next year. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to end 2023 feeling like, all right, we've made steps in the right direction. We have some key pieces, hopefully, in in the fold that will be returning. You know, we're not loaded up with fifth-year seniors that are like, well, this was nice, but now you're leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, yeah, but I agree with you. They probably get one year as a a honeymoon period, and then it's like, all right, you know, what what can you do? What do you got? Yeah. Which is probably going to coincide with the expanded playoff. It's not for sure, but it seems like trending – that next year is the last year of the fourteen playoff. It also is going to coincide with the departure of USC and UCLA. And so put those two together, you say, you know, when your conference get to the playoff, you know, that becomes somewhat of an expectation. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you go to 12 and you take out USC, like, all right, you know, is it, is it gettable? It should be gettable for everybody. Well, it's like uh, you would want to be up in the conversation with Oregon and Utah, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah. I mean, some of these, pro, you know, it's not like USC is the only good program. But, you know, gosh, if, if you can if you can get into that conference championship game, get into the top two of the conference in the regular season, and with no USC and UCLA, that seems easier. Maybe not easy, but easier. Um, you've got a shot, you know. You can, you can get yourself into the playoff and, you know, it's, it's going to change the game. It really is going to change the whole dynamic of what a successful season is. Um, you know, because right now most programs probably don't really look at the playoff as a realistic goal. ASU is probably one. When you go to twelve, it's realistic for every Power Five program. If it's not, why bother? Um. Well, before they go to twelve, while they're still at four, let's talk about where we're at right now. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a. It was a an eventful day yesterday. Uh, the uh, hey, look, uh, it, the clock struck midnight on LSU. Um, yeah, and I, I, I won't speak for you, but you can say you agree if you do. Man, I was delighted. Yeah, big I win mean, for Greg delighted. Powell. Big win for us. I, I mean, it's very, very rare that I'm delighted by a Texas A&M win, but I was delighted last night. I, you know, like that's almost like the perfect formula. They're four and seven. They're doing absolutely nothing. Horrible season, and they pull off a, a upset win to knock LSU out of any playoff hopes, and and even more so, knock Jaden Daniels out of any playoff hopes. I'm a happy man. That was just thrilling. Yeah. 
yeah, no, I am, I am in the same boat. I, I was rooting against Jaden Daniels. I will continue to root against Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I'm hoping Georgia beats them still and they don't win the SEC, but it is nice thinking like, well, if they do, they go to the Sugar Bowl. Big mm-hmm. whoop. Like, you know, like, I'd be, that'd be good for them. I'm sure their fans would be happy if they can call themselves SEC champions. But they're not going to the playoff, and that's fine with me. And then the playoff, you know, the shakeup, Michigan beats Ohio State handily. Handily? Oh, Ohio uh, State immediately says that they should still be playoff sure. bound. And Kevin Warren tells us it was an instant classic, which, like, Kevin Warren needs to watch more football games if that was an instant classic. It was a fun game. I watched almost all of it, and and it was a, the first half was really, like, back and forth. And But Michigan dominated that game in the second half. It was a butt-whipping. And, like, I mean, I know Kevin Warren's pining for his conference. I get it. I, I, I'm sort of joking tongue-in-cheek there. But, but like, uh, and that was eye-opening. There's no excuses for that from Ohio State. I thought last year it was like, well, they had bad weather. It's on the road. And, you know, Michigan had this like, you know, once in a generation defense. It felt like, and and this year you get punked at home with Michigan's best player barely playing. Perfect weather. That's uh, yeah, it, it's eye opening. Agreed. Um, TCU got the win. LSU, as we said, lost. USC. With a with another big victory, another resume builder, uh, I feel like USC's one conference title game win away from making the playoff. Hundred percent. Now, I mean, they've gotten the help they needed that that they they don't need to stress if they win. I mean, there's you know, Clemson losing pretty much knocks the ACC out of the picture. You don't really have a great like Tennessee losing last week takes them out of the picture. Or at least you know certainly puts them behind USC. If they win, I mean, you know, like, yeah, if, if USC wins, they're in. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, you know, I, it could be a very – ESPN's not going to love it. But, I mean, if if Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC all win, um, not only are the four teams obvious, but the seeding is probably pretty obvious. It'd be that order. Uh, you know, like that, that show on Sunday morning would, would be rather uneventful, I think. Yeah. We'll see. You know, that's not guaranteed, but I I mean, I think Georgia and Michigan are locks no matter what. And I think TCU might be a lock. Like, I mean, even if they lose, they win 12 and 1. You, you know, how do you how do you knock them out for 11 and 1 Ohio State or 10 and 2 Alabama? I don't I don't think you do. I mean, I, it doesn't make sense to me if you do. No, I agree. But yes, Alabama is back in the picture. The undead is back. USC loses and Alabama's right there. Mm-hmm. Right where they always are. <laughs> I mean, like it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't normally pay attention too much to the weekly rankings, and you know, because I think they're you know they're always so subject to change. But how they rank Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee this week will be very interesting because theoretically it shouldn't change. None of them play this coming weekend. So is Ohio State five? And if so, does that mean they're you know, they slide right in if USC loses? Or is it Alabama at five? I don't think Tennessee, but, I mean, how do you rank Alabama ahead of Tennessee? They both went 10-2. and two. Tennessee beat them. Common yeah. opponent, Tennessee beat the tar out of LSU, and Alabama lost to LSU. I mean, it's hard to justify ranking Tennessee behind Alabama, really, 
Unless you blame it on Hooker being injured. And then Hooker being hurt, I guess. But, I mean, and, and, and that's a legitimate, but boy, the one game without him, they won 56 to nothing. Now, granted, Vandy stinks. Mm-hmm. And Joe but, Milton but the week before Vandy, but but Vandy won the week before. They did, they did, yeah. You know, like so. I, I mean, I don't think they'll put Tennessee in because I think there's trepidation that oh my God, if we put Tennessee in without Hendon Hooker, they could get beat by you know, they could give up 63 points like they did to South Carolina, and they won't even have the offense to keep up. So I don't think they're getting in, and that's why the cynic in me or the skeptic, maybe it's not cynical, says they rank Ohio State ahead of both because then you get off the hook. Who cares six seven? If you rank Ohio State ahead of both, and Ohio State is the team that slides in, it easily justify that. They went eleven and one. Their only loss was to Michigan. They beat Penn State, who's a top ten team. Alabama doesn't have a win like that. Tennessee really doesn't have a win like that. Now that LSU, you know, slides backwards, um, like you know, seems like they're they're probably the team in waiting. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure they should be. Based on what I saw yesterday, I don't know that they deserve it, but there's, there's got to be four teams. And if USC loses, that fourth spot becomes like a, uh, I don't know, who do you give it to? Well, and what if chaos and Georgia loses? I don't know that it makes any, I mean, it changes the seating, but I, I, I think Georgia's in no matter what. I think Michigan is too. How, how could they not be? Yeah. I mean, again, it, it just comes down to like the, the second tier is fairly weak. I mean, you're going to knock Georgia behind Ohio State, who just got you know embarrassed at home. You're going to knock them behind Alabama, who lost twice in the SEC. Georgia didn't lose at all. You're going to knock them behind Tennessee. Same thing. They they directly beat up Tennessee with Hendon Hooker. I don't think you can. And so, like, they would fall from the number one spot, but I, I they'd probably be number two. I feel like maybe three if both Michigan and TCU win, but two and three, what's the difference? Hmm. Yeah, what? A- I mean, I you know, I, I think you know, Georgia's twelve and zero. I don't know how you would take that out. Same for Michigan. I, I mean, you go twelve and zero through the Big Ten, through the SEC. You know, okay, you lose one game. All right, you're still one of the four best teams, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're probably right. I just. Can't you see a world where it just gets weird? Yeah, I, well, I can see a world where there's, you know, a lot of chatter on Saturday night and Sunday morning about, oh, well, well, you know, and then it's like, well, nah, I, I, you know, like, I mean, if one of those teams loses, then all the talking heads will say, well, I don't know if they really deserve it, but without really offering an alternative Mm-hmm. And and that's always you know it's the same thing I always say with the basketball tournament. It's like oh this team is this team's out because they lost in their conference tournament. Like you you know there's 68 spots regardless of how many are deserving. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't do this 14 playoff and say oh you know what there's only three deserving. So you know what we'll do we'll only take three and we'll give the number one a buy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work that way. So you got to pick four. And it's hard for me to think that anything can happen where Georgia and Michigan are not considered two of the two of the four best yeah no you're you're probably right i mean i guess unless they lose by you know seven touchdowns and they have like two major injuries to their best players and it's like wow this is awful like i suppose in that crazy circumstance but you know if they lose 27 to 20 okay you know you're not happy about it but i don't think there's any repercussion 
Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, so let's let's talk briefly about conference title games. Yeah. Um, USC Utah. Um, that right. This is the right two teams. That you know. This is. Uh, yeah, I mean, like obviously Oregon was squarely in the mix, but you know, boy, Oregon's loss yesterday is head scratchingly bad. I don't know, you know, if you followed it. I mean, up 34-17 to start mm-hmm. the fourth. And not only do you lose, but you lose without allowing the other team. The other team doesn't throw a pass. They didn't throw a pass to come back from three scores down. It was, you know, just completely self-inflicted wounds by Oregon over and over again. Mm-hmm. So hard to argue they deserve it. Uh, I mean, they're a very good team. Washington's a very good team. Like this, the upper seven of this conference, I'll even throw Washington State in there. It's really solid. The bottom five is not. I mean, there's a, there's a clear dividing line between the top seven and the bottom five. Um, but this was, you know, upper echelon of the conference, very good. You know, I think I think if you know USC fan of the three options, I feel like Utah is the one you wanted the most. They don't have the super explosive offense that could cause USC's defense major problems. Um, and you get to avenge the only loss you had in the regular season and kind of put a stamp on everything. Like, yep, we absolutely deserve it. We beat everybody that we played. Um, you know, I think that's what you want. You get a neutral site instead of at Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're the conference commissioner, who are you rooting for in your heart? Oh, heart? I think I think USC. I know short, you know, long term they're leaving. But you want that playoff team because the playoff team makes everybody else look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I know, obviously, if they weren't leaving, it'd be a no brainer. Yeah, that's that, I mean, that's why I'm know, asking. Cause, uh, yeah, and I get it. I get the question. And, I, and I, you know, I know that it'd be like, well, boy, you know, it'd be some perverse delight if they get knocked out of the playoff. But, you know, the playoff helps everybody in the conference. If you, you know, you get in, you share the share the revenue a bit. Um and you just get a you know a light put on your conference. Uh, you know next year, if USC's made the playoff and Williams will be back and Riley's there, and all of a sudden all their games are big games. And so when they're playing Oregon or Washington or you know whoever, even some of the worst teams, like okay, now you're in the spotlight. So yeah, and you'll sell for the for the teams, you'll sell that ticket. Exactly you know, when yes. USC yeah. comes to town next year. Yeah, I mean it's. It's a very good thing for the conference if Caleb Williams wins the Heisman, which I think he's the overwhelming favorite right now, um, and and USC goes to the playoff. I, yeah, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. So you brought it up, Caleb Williams, the Heisman. Uh, I mean, uh, I think yes. Uh, obviously, if they lose, there'll be you know a rush to say, well, it's not here, you know, because we're so slave to team result like i mean if he goes out throws five touchdowns and they lose 38 35 we'll be like well it wasn't good enough which will be stupid as far as i'm concerned but um if they win i, I absolutely think it's him yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you know like i was not a big fan of this guy at oklahoma i like him a little better now that he's not at oklahoma but man we gotta we gotta give credit to lincoln Riley. the guy's a pretty good coach i think and i say that you know sarcastically but like you know, this was not an easy one-year turnaround. This team's four and eight last year, and yeah, they brought in a lot of transfers and a lot of talent. But to get but, it all to mesh together and well, go eleven and one, pretty amazing. And he brought them in. 
You he know? did. He did. Yes. And I mean, I know they were expected to be a lot better because of all that talent. But still, I think I think realistically, I mean, I I think I picked them to go eight four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought eight nine wins would be a huge you know thing for them, and to go eleven and one and finish first in the conference and have a chance at the playoff is impressive. The, the you know the guy's a good coach. I mean, like that was kind of the theme of the last couple weeks for me is like you know Jim Harbaugh, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly. You know, these guys are good, pretty darn good coaches. Maybe they haven't won national titles like Saban and Dabo and Kirby Smart, but man, they're they're pretty good. Uh, like we should probably give them a little more credit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Matt, when you look around the college football landscape, what is your rooting interest? What like are you wanting Georgia to just run the table? Well, I mean. I wouldn't mind that, but I certainly would not mind Michigan winning the championship. I, I mean, I I like Harbaugh. I just, you know, brought him up in that last rant. And, like, Harbaugh's a guy who, you know, if your standard for being a good coach is you have to win a national title or a Super Bowl, then I guess he's a bad coach. But, like, okay, if, uh, yes, he hasn't done those two things. But, man, he's done just about everything else you could imagine. He's been a head coach at four places, and all four places have gotten significantly better than they were when he got there. And, and like, what more can the guy do to prove his bona fides, I guess? Yeah. So winning that national title would kind of shut everybody up. There, there'd be, you know, it'd kind of be one of those, like, you can't say it anymore. He's, he's proven himself to the highest, highest level. So I wouldn't mind that. Um you know, I'm I'm torn on the whole concept of Alabama getting in. I don't really think they deserve it. I mean, that you know, they didn't they didn't beat anybody who finished better than eight and four this year. Um, and and you know, two of those wins were escapes against Texas and Ole Miss. They you know, um, so I, I don't think they deserve it. But I do like Bryce Young, and I wouldn't mind Bryce Young getting a you know a second swing at the bat, basically, uh, you know, before he moves on. So I'm torn on that one, honestly. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't like Saban. I'm not going to shed any tears if Alabama doesn't make it. But if Bryce Young got a chance to, you know, play for a championship again, I I wouldn't be sad about that either, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I think overall, I mean, I, I guess if you're at, like, it's boring, but I'd be happy if all four favorites won this week. I, I, would, I would sign up for Georgia versus USC and Michigan versus TCU without hesitation. I think those would be two fun games. No matter who won, I'd enjoy the championship game. Like I would take that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, have you, the last topic I had was, have you been watching any world cup? I have. Yes. It's, it's been fun. And and the U S finds himself in an interesting win in your in position. Yeah, it's it's very, you know, very easy to digest for the American fan who doesn't, you know, quite get all the tiebreakers and stuff. You you win, you advance, you tie or lose, you don't advance. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the math is very simple. So, yeah, it, you know, it works out well for good drama on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. And, and then just if you are if you are just a random watcher like me, uh, upsets. Upsets galore, which is what, yeah. you know, as a fan yeah. of 
of sports, you just kind of root for the underdog when you have no interest. So yeah, agreed. I mean, yes, you know, Germany lost their first game. Argentina lost their first game. I know Argentina. I think they won yesterday, didn't they? They Pretty did. Sure I saw they won. Yeah, that was during college football, so I didn't watch a ton of it. But um, and I know Germany tied today. I did see some of that. Um, so they're still alive. Um, but you know, yeah, I saw Belgium lost today. Um, you know, so they could be knocked out potentially, and they got a, they got a still a chance to advance. But yeah, it's you know, it's sort of. I mean, I don't follow it at the same intensity, but it's sort of like the basketball tournament in a way. Like you want some upsets, but you also kind of want those last couple rounds to be the heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to it. Like, unless it's the U.S., you know, it's like, well, okay, am I more interested in the semifinals if it's, you know, Brazil versus France and, uh, you know, Spain versus Germany? Yeah, probably. Because I, I know those teams and I know they're good. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, you're getting the real heavyweights here. But, you know, if it's the U.S., I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them making a run, I suppose. Yeah. I don't think it will be. I hope they can win on Tuesday in advance. I think that, you know, given their position, you know, like that would be a successful tournament if you get out of the group round. Um, I know Fox, you know, and John Hamm want us to believe in miracles that they're going to win the whole thing. They're not. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But, you know, if they get out of the group, that'd be nice. Well, because soccer is not like hockey. It's not like if your goalie gets hot, you can just wheel your way to the end. You know. I mean, they're not going to win. Like, I, I get the whole marketing campaign, but, like, I almost feel like, you know, they're setting themselves up for parity. Like, the U.S. is not going to win the freaking World Cup. And that would be the case for probably 20 of the teams. It's just not going to happen. They're not good enough. Uh, you know, can they get out of the and into the round of 16? And then, depending on who you play, maybe you pull an upset or, or maybe you get a team that wouldn't be an upset. You get to the round of eight. They did it in, I think, 02. They got mm-hmm. to the to the final eight. Um yeah, sure, but they're not winning. They're not better than Spain, Brazil, Argentina, Germany, France, England. They're just not. They could be one of them, maybe, but they're not. They're not winning four straight games in the knockout round. Ain't gonna happen. Yeah, it's not uh, to be you know Debbie Downer, but like just being realistic, it's just not gonna happen. It's sort of like saying you know ASU basketball if they you know win four in the Pac-12 tournament, then six in a row in the NCAA tournament, they win the title. Like, yeah, that's true, but it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all you got to do is, for the U.S., you just got to win, what, uh, five consecutive matches? Five matches in a row, yeah. And we're yeah. World Cup champs. Right, right. So. And, you know, yeah, I suppose probably most uh, people can still say that about their teams. I, I Well, I mean, a couple have been eliminated now, I suppose, that they can't advance. But, yeah, you know, that. I watched a lot of the England game on Friday. That was fun. Um, you know, I honestly thought they outplayed him in the first half. Second half was more even, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was one of those, like by the last 10 minutes, it was like, all right, just hang on, just survive, get, get your tie. Don't give up a fluky goal here at the end and throw this all away. Mm-hmm. So they, they managed that. And, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know a ton about soccer, but I, I know that, you know, coming in, you know, Iran was supposed to be the worst of the four teams in their group. And so if that's the case, you know, having to beat them, like that's the, that's the scenario you could ask for. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the best outcome when, when Iran upset Wales. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's in, you know, I guess that's the thing, like with any sport, you know, you, you kind of want it to be, you know, like we just talked about USC, 
USC is now in the position where it's in their hands. They don't need extra assistance. They don't need other things to happen. It's in their hands. Well, U.S. soccer has that too. It was like, all right, go win on Tuesday and you go on. Yeah. So, so yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, it's been, I, I enjoy, you know, I love watching sports in the morning and, uh, you know, so it's been fun having the, you know, 6 a.m. game to wake up and it's on and then, you know, 9 and 12. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed that. And the last rounds are always fun when they play the two games at the same time and you got, you know, the score updates and stuff like that, where, you know, so hey, it's, it's, it's good entertainment yeah. for me, at least. I think for a lot of people, I know some American sports fans would say it's not entertainment because it's boring, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk about whatever happens uh, in the World Cup, whatever happens with the transfer portal, and whatever happens with the uh, bowl or uh, the bowl seating and and yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see and and see where our ASU hoops boys are. You know, like hey, we're we're making some progress here. Having just a, just some hope. I'm only I'm only going to say that. Not going to get too crazy. But there's mm-hmm. hope. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.